Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Dr. Uh, Don Angelaccio is a superintendent of the uh, Prospect Heights School District 23. And Dr. Don joins us now to talk a little bit about kindergarten, all-day kindergarten. I might even ask you, doctor, about preschool. But thank you for joining us today on WGN. How are you? Terrific. Thanks, John. Very much uh, appreciative of the time and a big fan of the show. So happy to be on. Yeah, well, thank you for that. In August, you say Governor Pritzker signed a bill that requires all Illinois public school districts to establish full-day kindergarten by the 2027-28 school year. So we're now in 24-25, not this year, not the next year, 26-27. So it gives everybody a couple of years to load up on this. What do you think about that? Well, I think that it was a smart way to move this legislation forward. Um, It's a significant lift to uh, transition to providing services. We have space issues, we have staffing issues, we have program design issues, um, and full-day kindergarten has been a target for many, many districts that don't provide it. Um, uh, It's been on the radar for a long time, so this new um, law creates a little bit more urgency, but they they built in a working task group and um, a little bit of time for local districts to adjust to meet that mandate. Yeah. So that was a that was a appreci- we were appreciative for that. I know what your caveat to that is, and we'll get to that in a minute. But so <laughs> some school districts already provide all day kindergarten as an option. Yes. Yeah. Particular. You know. So again, state of Illinois is a unique uh, animal in that it's so so large and so diverse. But certainly in the northern half of the state, uh, full-day kindergarten is um, really uh, the norm in most settings. It used to be a very uh, nice thing to have, and and it started out just sort of being a a support that, that school districts could add. And I would say closer to maybe 20 years ago or so, that started switching to a need to have and now uh, the vast majority of school districts up in the northern half of the state offer a full-day kindergarten program. Um, so for those of us that, you know, have, uh, have had limitations in making that happen, um, the, the challenge for us now is to, to meet this mandate in a, in a short window of time. What's the challenge in Prospect Heights? What's the challenge? Same, same as everywhere, I'm guessing, um, space and staffing, you know, so our facilities are at full capacity. Um, we're, you know, relatively landlocked district. We don't own lots of property. Um, and so the uh, opportunity to find an additional eight classrooms, um, it, you know, when you're full to the gills as it is, um, that's the first challenge. We would need space to uh, to offer these programs. And then, of course, staffing. Um, if you build it, they will come. And so we need to make sure that we're able to uh, provide the operational side of things as well by adding staff and services and other programs. Um, and right now we're limited with both. Uh, we don't have the current space capacity, nor do we have the operational uh, capacity. How you figure you need eight more rooms? 
So we've calculated out the total number of students who typically arrive in our district by, say, first or second grade. And so we know, uh, using rough numbers, there's approximately, we're a relatively small district, so there's about 160 students in first grade. But for kindergarten, uh, we max out close to 120. And so we know there's this gap in the community of kids that will come to us by first or, or second grade uh, who need to go elsewhere for, for pre-K and kindergarten. And so we calculated out the number of new sections we would have to have and uh, to build for the future, both for full-day K as well as a an expanded early childhood. Uh, we're figuring eight classrooms and some office space would uh, would do it for us. And then, what does that come to? Eight? Uh, how many more f- teachers have you have you sort of crunched the numbers on the whole kit sure. and caboodle? What are we looking at? <laughs> we have, yeah, yeah. We're looking at approximately eighteen new staff, and that ranges everything from classroom teachers to additional clerical support to additional support staff. You know, we have to run more sections of physical education. We've got more kids eating lunch, so you've got lunch supervision. Um, PE sections increase, art, um, custodial, secretarial. So all in, it's looking like uh, an 18 staff member addition to be fully fully staffed for operations if we're when we're at full capacity. Yeah, yeah. Um, where are you going to get the money for that? So the district, uh, again, we're a relatively small district. We are 87% uh, of our funding comes from local taxes. We are not uh, heavily supported by by corporate. So at the end of the day, it uh, comes from the financial management that we have internally to you maximize you know state grants and and other revenue sources that are available to us. But at the end of the day, it it. It hinges on our local community of uh, supporters and voters um, being willing to invest in their schools with a tax referendum. Tax referendum, a local referendum. And if that doesn't pass, then what do you do? So that scenario is, again, we have to come up with space and uh, staffing. And so that means reductions in current programming or or, uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. services so there's a you know there's a wide range of things that you know would would need to be considered but um, at this point we're looking at it as an additive ask we want to be able to continue to provide the programs and services and the types of things that have made us a really successful district and then add on this additional service of full day kindergarten and expanded pre-k if it's unsuccessful, we'll, you know, the admin team, we've got our orders then to kind of go back and see what um, what we need to prioritize sure. um, and, and what stays and what needs to get trimmed or cut. Dr. Don Angelaccio is the superintendent of the Prospect, Prospect Heights School District Number 23. Um, I, but I guess another way would be for the state. <laughs> Thank you very much, um, legislature and governor. So you just said you have to do this. Good idea. But right. they don't give you any money for it. Is, <laughs> it, it. Would it be typical for the state to then say, okay, we're going to give you money? And if they give you money, what about all the other school districts which have been doing it on their own? Yeah. So do they get some yeah. sort of retro pay? What happens? 
Right. Uh, I would say it is not. It would not be typical for the state to um, provide additional funding or support for that. So, in, in, again, in Illinois, it's always that balance between you know state level and local level decision making. And clearly, there's an important role that the state plays in setting that vision and mission for what schools across the state should provide, what Illinois students um, should receive in terms of supports and services, and then it gets transferred to the local level and we have to, you know, modify our planning and responses to meet whatever those mandates are. This is just the uh, the, the newest one. Um, and it, of course, it comes with a big price tag for those districts that don't have significant fund balances um, or significant monies in reserve. Um, so again, we, we, listen to what the state has set as a vision, and then we work locally to try to make it happen, figure it out. You want us to call our legislators and tell them to help you out? Uh, you know, I would say this. The the state has invested and increased its investment in education substantially with uh, the evidence-based funding model. That has been a significant support to districts across the state, but it still is um, based on sort of what is the minimum adequacy level. And so I know it carries a big price tag, but education is extremely important in the, as an investment into our communities and to our kids. So additional funding for schools uh, at the state level does uh, kind of offset the challenge of the local districts um, tapping into uh, local taxpayers who are already um, stretched pretty thin. I guess um, there's probably not much of an appetite then for fully funded preschool. What about the the, the kids that are before kindergarten? Yeah. So uh, again, in our in our plan, we're trying to address both um, the full day kindergarten mandate as well as expanding our early childhood. Uh, you know, to your first point, yes, there's no there's no discussion of fully funded. Um, well, I would say fully funded anything, but certainly no fully funded early childhood. But there are mandates and requirements for local districts to begin serving students at the age of three um, through special education needs. Uh, the state serves students pre-K, or I'm sorry, zero to three, uh, birth to three. So we pick up the baton at three years old um, and then carry that through. Kindergarten falls in the middle in that it's, um, you know, there are certain required uh, elements to the program, but not full day. So there are students in our program who would have a full day early childhood experience because we're working through a, a state grant to provide that, and then back to half day for kindergarten, and then back to full day for first grade. So long-range planning is to build these systems that will provide a consistent experience for kids. So, But, you, but in your community, they did have a, um, a referendum, and it failed, right? Yes, yes. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up, John. Well, no, just kidding. So, <laughs> no, there, we, there you are. So now, yeah, you, absolutely. So you, now, yeah. if if you don't get the funding, then you're going to have right. to minimize programs for other kids that are already there. Right, right. And and so uh, while we were unsuccessful last year, it was only by uh, a very narrow margin. And part of that is uh, awareness of the issue, awareness of the need. 
um, us doing a better job of explaining and expressing why this is a critical service. And so that's part of the reason, again, I appreciate your time because it gives us the opportunity to kind of tell that story um, and close the gap for those that just didn't vote um, or voted no because they perhaps didn't have enough information. Okay, so you've got another referendum coming up and maybe conversations like this will convince people. I wonder how much it would be per property owner. Would it be a property tax? Yeah, so it would be a property tax. We're currently asking for an approximate $459 a year on a $350,000 home. So that translates to $1.36 a day for for someone in that type of a setting. Um, And, you know, that gives us... uh, for our for our immediate need purposes, uh, the ability to add the construction and yeah. renovations, but also gives us a long term operational support as well. So for that ask, it's it's really it's one ask for both operations and construction. I'm gonna say I was hoping your number was going to come in a little south of that. So you're looking at I, forty dollars. <laughs> $40 a month when people are already right. lining up to appeal their property taxes. You just ask them to guarantee that it's going to cost them 40 more a month. Yes, yes. And on top of um, triennial reassessment where home values yeah. came in higher. Yeah. Um, but I think that, again, our message is that our, our system of taxation is all about paying it forward. Um, we, we benefit from the families that bought homes in the community 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and what they invested in the districts are what we're able to provide now. And so the message uh, of the future for the district in terms of maintaining property values and the programs and services people are expecting and and, uh, that we're known for, um, it's an investment now for the future. Uh, Certainly a tough message for those that are on fixed incomes, and and we certainly respect the fact that that's not an easy ask, um, but it's one that we've spent a lot of time really to hone our our ask and make sure that we're providing uh, what's needed for now and into the future. Dr. Don Angelaccio is the superintendent of Prospect Heights School District 23, Prospect Heights District 23. You're going to get another chance at this. In two school years, it'll be mandatory. All public schools in Illinois will have to offer all-day kindergarten. Um, But they didn't say, here's the money to do it. Dr. Don Angelaccio is the superintendent of Prospect Heights School District 23. He estimates that in his school district, it'll be just under $40 a month for an average property uh, owner there. Uh, That's what the uh, cost would be. Uh, 708 said, that's a ton of money. No way. 773 said, no, on any additional taxes on my house. 773, another listener says, this is ridiculous for our taxes to go up again to pay for somebody else to have something. Well, that's a very narrow view. And somebody else said, I worked with you and you were an assistant principal. He is a wonderful human being. Trust, (laughs) trust him. So, well, not not everybody agrees with you. Somebody who knows you says you are to be trusted. I've got one fan, and I appreciate that that greatly. You know, John, it, it's clear that there are there are challenges for all of us in an economic time with interest rates and uh, our home home prices going up, and certainly on a fixed income. Again, we understand that fully. I think the long term 
uh, investment in education is something that both benefits from the economic standpoint, it benefits homeowners in the area in the long term, and certainly it benefits students from the academic perspective. On the economic side, um, again, school districts and their performance drives much of the yeah. um, resale. And, yeah. and so when you get to a place where a, a family of, of uh, a young family with young kids is looking to move, they can move into our neighborhood and get all the services that they expect, or they can go to another neighborhood um, and get more than that, I well, think is that's that, part That's of, the sell to me. I mean, if, even if that's you're... a big part of it, yeah. If you're narrow-minded or not charitable or you don't have a lot of money, and those are all different things, but if for whatever reason you don't want to contribute to this and you're a property owner, remember, this is an investment in your property. Families are more likely to move to a neighborhood with all-day kindergarten if they've got young kids. Certainly. And in the Northwest portion of the state. It's a highly competitive market. We've got a number of fantastic school districts. And so things like this, these program-specific differences, can make a difference in that. And and similarly, our fine arts program is outstanding. Our middle school program okay, is outstanding. Okay, but wait, but, but the question before the break was, what are the benefits of all-day kindergarten? So while this might be good for property values, sure. or certainly good for those other parents, and maybe yeah. I ain't one of them, can you right. document that this, in fact, will be better for the kids? I think, well, certainly the research does support that. I think the first overarching thing to understand is that kindergarten is no longer what it once was. Um, you know, I'm in my mid-50s, and my kindergarten experience is drastically different than what our students are engaged in now. Um, it is still age-appropriate and developmentally appropriate, but our students are engaged in um, academic literacy, numeracy activities from the get-go. And so the long-term educational success of students who've had full-day experiences um, does generate more support, uh, better results in the long-term in terms of academic achievement. Certainly, we know it helps with things like language development and social-emotional development. But I think that, again, the the academic support for kids who may be struggling, the earlier we intervene and put those supports in place, yeah. the better their trajectory is long-term. And again, quite frankly, it saves it saves uh, the taxpayers dollars in the long run by investing when our students are youngest and most malleable. Well, I don't want to overstate this point, but this is on the back of my mind, and 630 said it as well. John, on all-day kindergarten, yes, the taxpayers will foot the bill. We either pay for schooling now and have productive citizens, or we pay for the penal system later. I don't know that you should dangle that in front of people when we're talking about kindergartners, but it does add up. Those are defining things, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think when you, when you look at it at the very local level, it's about the kind of community and neighborhoods that, that the local community wants to see here in Prospect Heights and in Arlington Heights, Mount Prospect, yeah. Wheeling. And, and those communities, um, what they want for their kids and for their community, that's the local decision. Again, at the state level, yes, we need to invest okay. in programs and systems that will support kids long term. Two other notes from our listeners. $40 a month is better than $250 a week in child care. Well, that's great for the parents who you're subsidizing. I get the point, but I'm not sure that... That's why people are going to or even should do this. But somebody else said right. this. I think any investment in all-day kindergarten is worth it. Perhaps someone 
would have to go out to dinner one less time a month. Come on, everybody. Uh, there was one. Oh, yeah, here's the one I wanted to get your reaction to. District 25 in Arlington Heights did the same thing, John, and our taxes went sky high. I was on the committee against, uh, I was on a committee against, and we lost by 50 votes. So does that mean mm-hmm. Arlington Heights did pass this referendum? They do have all day kindergarten in District 25? Yeah, so District 25 is our neighbor neighbor district to the west. Um, we we pull in uh, a third of our district are Arlington Heights residents, but we're we're District 23. So 25 did pass a referendum. They're in the process of construction and planning for staffing. They'll open with full day kindergarten next school year, but wow. they did pass their referendum a, uh, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago now. Um, and and you know it is uh, again no one no one dismisses the the significant impact on taxes but it is that investment you know our 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 referendum ask includes some enhancements to safety and security at all of our buildings it includes some facility enhancements because we know. Uh, you're not going to be able to go out to the community multiple times and pass multiple referendums. That's just not the way it works. So we've tried to put together a reasonable uh, package that will set the district up for mm-hmm. financial stability for the long term, hoping to uh, rally that support around um, the needs for our students and put it in the hands of taxpayers to direct uh, the the district as to what steps we need to take in the future. Okay, doctor, our time is up. Uh, when's the vote going to be? Do, do you know when the referendum happens? Yes, the it's the uh, March 19th election. Okay, let's uh, you and I so visit again spring. down the road. Uh, good luck to you, and thanks for your time today, doctor. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Dr. Don Angelaccio is the superintendent of Prospect Heights School District 23. He's in favor of all-day kindergarten, but he wants help in paying for it.